Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Happy Friday, football fans, and welcome into another edition of the Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Sines, and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, I preview wildcard weekend and share my predictions for each matchup. The Texans will duel it out with the Colts for a third time this season, and Tyron Matthew knows they must keep T.Y. Hilton in check if they want any chance at slowing down their offense. I, I, I think he's an exceptional you know, wide receiver. Um, I think he has a great quarterback. Um, you know, I think they do a lot of great things with him. Just trying to um, find different ways to, you know, get him the football, uh, especially, you know, in big games. So um, I think they're going to draw it up. Obviously, you know, with him, you know, having an ankle, um, you know, every ball may not go to him. So we just got to be real key, keyed in on him, you know, throughout the entire game and not let up. The Cowboys will host the Seahawks for a wild card playoff game and will be looking to avenge their week three loss to Seattle. While Dak Prescott has been heavily scrutinized for his inconsistent play, all he cares about is winning in the playoffs and is excited for the opportunity to prove his worth. I think it's everything. I don't pay attention to any stat but but wins and losses. So um, when you say success of a quarterback uh, or a quarterback's success, depending on what they do in the playoffs, um, I think that's where where the checks get written and they make their money, to be honest. Uh, Our job is to win no matter what happens, no matter how you play individually. At the end of the day, it's to get the job done. Uh, So uh, excited for for my opportunity to uh, to be back in the playoffs, missing it last year, but excited for this team and just knowing um, what we've got. The Bears finished the regular season with an impressive 12-4 mark, but know there is still plenty of work to do with the Eagles coming to town. Akeem Hicks says the Eagles have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, and expects to be challenged by the interior of their unit. Jason Kelsey, one of the best centers in this league. Um, and then you got Brandon Brooks next to him, who's just a, a big, strong, wide body and uh, can get in your way um, and, and stay there for a really long time. I think their offensive line is one of the better ones in the league. I will discuss all that and more coming up in the latest episode of the Chase Podcast. The Fall is another production of the Chase Podcast, covering the latest news.
Good morning, everybody. It is Friday, January 4th on the Chase Podcast. Isaac Signs coming to you live yet again for some more NFL coverage. This time, we are ready into the NFL playoffs. Wild card round kicks off tomorrow with the first matchup. The Indianapolis Colts at the Houston Texans. Looking forward to getting into that one, followed by the Seattle Seahawks and Dallas Cowboys. Let me tell you what, on today's episode, I'm going to get into all four wild card matchups for you. Plenty to discuss, many matchups to dissect. Looking forward to it. I hope you had a great, happy New Year celebration with family and friends as well as a Merry Christmas. We are moving forward here in 2019. Very excited for everything that's up ahead. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get going here with the first wild card matchup of the 2019 NFL playoffs. And it's the 10-6 Colts. At the 11-5 Texans, this is the early kickoff on Saturday, 4.35 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff at NRG Stadium. Now, the Colts started the season with a 1-5 record under head coach Frank Reich. The Texans started 0-3. Now, both of these teams, they combined to finish the year 20-3 to qualify for the playoffs from the AFC South. However, unfortunately, one of these hot teams will be eliminated on Saturday. Now, in each of these teams' previous two meetings in 2018, the road team won in a three-point game. The Colts They're going to look to keep on building on that formula that they've used all season. Keep Andrew Luck on his feet and get stops on defense. While the Texans, they're going to look to Lamar Miller, who's been banged up with a lot of injuries. He led the way. That rushing attack was a top five unit in the league to give balance to Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, and the way Bill O'Brien likes to Dial up his offensive play calls. Really looking forward to this matchup. I think there's plenty to like as far as both teams looking to establish themselves as a true contender in the AFC. So here are some key matchups that I'm going to be keeping my eyes on here. The first one being the obvious one, T.Y. Hilton and Eric Ebron against the Houston Texans secondary. Now, last time these two teams faced, well, the most recent meeting, which was in Houston, Hilton was nearly unguardable as he compiled 199 receiving yards and the Texans did not have an answer for him. Now, mind you, Hilton's been battling an ankle injury and so he really hasn't even been playing at full health yet. Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton were in sync and they were making the Texans pay deep down the field. And as for Ebron, This is a Pro Bowl tight end that signed with the Indianapolis Colts after getting cut by the Lions, a former first-round pick who many gave up on there in the Motor City. However, he has found redemption and rejuvenation in Indianapolis. The last two times he faced this Houston secondary, he had five receptions for 40 yards and a touchdown in Week 4, and four receptions for 65 yards, a touchdown in Week number 14. Now, when I look at Eric Ebron, this guy is a headache 
and a problem for defenses, especially in the red zone, because if you notice, Ebron is not featured on every single play as Mo Ali Cox is utilized more as the blocking tight end. But you'll see Ebron work in the slot as an end line tight end as well, trying to mix it up and keep defenses off balance. But Tyron Matthew and Justin Reed, the talented rookie safety for the Texans, they're going to have another crack at trying to slow down Ebron and keep him out of the end zone. And look at Jonathan Joseph and Kareem Jackson, two veteran corners who have been in the game a long time. They are well aware of T.Y. Hilton and the explosiveness that he brings to the table. They interviewed T.Y. Hilton earlier this week about his status for Saturday's game. And Hilton's like, hey, playing the Texans got me excited and ready to get fully healthy because he knows that this matchup is very favorable for him because of his skill set and his ability to really mix up his route tree and keep Romeo Cornell's defensive unit reeling, trying to keep him in front of them because they understand that he can take the lid off the defense. And if you're the Texans, you have to put an extra emphasis in trying to contain him and keep him in front of you at all times. So look for those two matchups to be pivotal on Saturday. The next one, how about the Colts offensive tackles against J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney? There's not... A whole lot more one-two dynamic duos on defense that can match the caliber and talent level of Watt and Clowney. Now I got to tell you what, Anthony Costanzo and Braden Smith there at right tackle for Indianapolis, they have been very solid and they're a main reason as to why Luck has had a clean pocket for much of the season. He's been able to stand upright, go through his progressions, and that's really a primary factor as to why Luck has had so much success and is a strong candidate for comeback player of the year. But look, Luck, this guy has been sacked a league low 18 times this season. And the Texans, you know, they're going to want to turn that tide as the playoffs get going. Clowney and Watt, both of these guys can put immense pressure on offenses due to their ability to really collapse the pocket both in the inside and in the outside and so look for them to be moved around on defense as Cornell has done all season long trying to keep opposing offenses guessing as to where these guys are gonna be lined up and let's not forget that the Texans still have a viable number three edge rusher in Whitney Merciless who if he was on any other team in the NFL in a 3-4 alignment, he's a starting caliber type of player. So the immense depth that Houston has on that defensive line is something to be reckoned with. And the Colts, they ought to be ready. And do not be surprised to see Frank Reich and Sirianni, the offensive coordinator for Indianapolis, keep tight ends in to block at all times, especially paying more attention to J.J. Watt because they know that either player, Clowney or Watt, can single-handedly destroy their offensive game plan. Now the last matchup here, the Texans rushing attack against the Indianapolis run defense. Now this one is another intriguing one for many reasons. The Colts finished the regular season as the 8th ranked rush defense. 
They did not allow a 100-yard rusher all year long. They've limited teams to just 3.9 yards per carry. And the thing is, you look at their depth chart, and you don't really see a whole lot of Pro Bowl caliber players on their roster. But Matt Eberflus, the first-year defensive coordinator who came over from the Dallas Cowboys, Man, the job that he has done this year with such a young roster, it is really commendable and that's why he's being sought out as a potential head coaching candidate but you look at this Indianapolis defense it's led by Danico Autry who was looking like a heck of a sign there by GM Chris Ballard who came from Kansas City who played Autry twice a year because he's a former Raider he knew something that not a whole lot of other GMs knew about him this guy is a hog up front very difficult to move off the line of scrimmage to go along with Marcus Hunt, a six foot eight defensive end who now plays nose tackle and Eberflus's defense. Those two have been the anchors for the Colts. And then, of course, you look at their athletic linebacking core that can play sideline to sideline. The talented rookie Darius Leonard, Anthony Walker, and Najee Good, who came from Philadelphia, who, by the way, has a little experience playing in big-time games as he was a part of that Eagles Super Bowl team just a season ago. Now, as I mentioned, Lamar Miller has been very good this year for the Texans, finished the year with nearly 1,000 yards. He had 973 on 210 carries, 4.6 yards per carry, 5 touchdowns. Now, this Houston offensive line led by Nick Martin at center, who's been stellar and now he missed all of last season due to an injury but I feel like his return has really solidified the interior of Houston's offensive line so they're gonna have their hands full trying to generate a push up front but Houston relies so much on Lamar Miller and this rushing attack to provide balance for Deshaun Watson because if the Colts can make Houston one-dimensional and get after them with that sneaky good pass rush. Now, I know Tyquan Lewis has been ruled out, so they're going to look for other depth players to come in and get after Watson in the pocket. But nonetheless, this is yet another pivotal and important matchup for both teams on Saturday. Now, for my game prediction, I'm going to pick the Houston Texans to edge the Colts in a thriller 29 to 23. I really feel like this is going to be a battle of the kickers. Look for Adam Vinatieri and Kaimi Fairbarn to have their share of workload. They don't get much during the regular practice week, but I fully expect them to have many opportunities in the red zone to convert. And while I want to pick the Colts to win because I feel like they can match up with just about any team in the playoffs, I just have a hard time picking against the Texans, playing in front of their home crowd. You know the energy level is going to be high. And in the end, I feel like this Houston defense is going to be able to generate a turnover late in this one caused by the pressure of J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney coming off the edge. And that's going to propel the Texans to a wild card victory over the red-hot Indianapolis Colts. Now we'll turn to the NFC for the second wildcard game on Saturday's slate. 
It's the five seed Seattle Seahawks, 10 and six, at the four seed Dallas Cowboys, who finished with an identical record, 10 wins, six losses. Now, this is a regular season rematch as both of these teams met back in week three, except it was in CenturyLink and the Seattle Seahawks prevailed in that one, picking off Dak Prescott twice. One of those going to Earl Thomas, who suffered a fractured fibula and is done for the season. Kickoff is 8.15 p.m. Eastern time on Fox. This one is... I think probably the most entertaining matchup that I think we're going to see on national television, Russell Wilson, his experience as a Super Bowl quarterback going toe-to-toe against Dak Prescott, who has been heavily scrutinized all season long for his inconsistent play, yet he's coming off a big-time performance in Week 17. Ezekiel Elliott, the regular season rushing yards leader, this Cowboys defense that has been very good this year. So I think there's a whole lot to look at in this matchup. It's going to be at AT AT&T Stadium, Jerry World, that's what it's also known as. And so let's go ahead and take a look at some of these key matchups with Seattle and Dallas going toe-to-toe in the NFC. How about this Seahawks rushing attack against the Dallas defensive front? Now Seattle, they finished the regular season with the number one ranked rushing group now this is something to talk about because the last three or four years Seattle has not had a run game and it really forced Russell Wilson to carry the entire offense on his shoulders and pass 30 to 40 times a game but they brought on Schottenheimer new offensive coordinator they revamped their offensive line got rid of Tom Cable And now with DJ Fluker, they locked up Dwayne Brown. This is a unit that has been drastically improved from one year to the next. And how about Chris Carson, the 2017 seventh round pick out of Oklahoma State. He eclipsed the 1,000-yard mark with 1,100-plus rush yards on 247 attempts, nine touchdowns. This guy is a bruiser, but Seattle... They're going to have to go up against this a Dallas Cowboy front seven that was fifth in defending the run, limiting teams to just 94.6 yards per game. And you look at Dallas, they've gotten strong play from Antoine Woods, who they signed back over the summer. He came into training camp really essentially viewed as a camp body, but yet he stuck it out. He won many one-on-one battles in camp and really became one of the team favorites and he caught on and has been starting at defensive tackle for this young Cowboys unit and then how about Malik Collins from Nebraska this guy has had a little bit of a resurgence he's dealt with various foot injuries but he's been healthy and then of course they've been complimented by Jalen Smith and the rookie linebacker Leighton Vander Esch so when you look at both of these Two groups that will be going toe-to-toe in the trenches. The Dallas defense, they've really been shaky the last couple of weeks. You saw Saquon Barkley go off for almost 200 total yards from scrimmage. So the Cowboys are going to have to tighten the screws. Going up against a Seattle offense that can really give them a taste of their own medicine as far as controlling the time of possession to go along with the dynamic quarterback and Russell Wilson That will make you pay 
with the play action pass so if Seattle can establish the run game early and often as they've really had success for much of the season the Dallas Cowboys could be in deep trouble so keep an eye out for that one how about matchup number two except I'm gonna flip the script here I'm gonna talk about the Dallas rushing attack against the Seattle front seven as we all know by now the Cowboys are very dependent on their ground game as Elliott led the league in rushing as I talked about the beginning of this matchup now the Seattle Seahawks a lot of people talk about them saying well you know they'll discount them because they're not necessarily a top 10 rush defense however they rank number 13 in the league and I think they're very underrated they have a group of defensive linemen that really are so versatile because they can really play every single player at each position you look at what Ken Norton has been able to do with Quentin Jefferson, Jerron Reed, Frank Clark, Shamar Steven, Deion Jordan, and then you have arguably the best linebacker in football in Bobby Wagner, who always makes sure his presence is felt. K.J. Wright is finally back. He missed most of the season with a Neal ailment. He should be good to go for Saturday night's playoff game. And so the Cowboys, you see Dak Prescott. This is a guy that he will make some throws down the field that have you thinking like, wow, man, maybe this guy is the franchise quarterback the Cowboys need. And then he makes some inconsistent throws and maybe some not-so-smart decisions in the pocket. And then it gets... Cowboys fans thinking, well, how about we need uh, another quarterback change or just uh, another direction? But nonetheless, when this run game is going and firing on all cylinders and Elliott is in his rhythm, the Cowboys are a very difficult team to stop, much like Seattle. So the Seahawks, you can expect them to put a heavy emphasis in loading the box, trying to make sure that Elliott does not hurt them on the ground. And they're going to once again, and say all right Dak Prescott we know he's made some positive strides as being a pocket passer but we're gonna make him prove to us again on a playoff stage that he can beat us and he's gonna have to do so with his arm so look for that to be the case this is why the Cowboys and their implementation of the run game is so ultra important for the success of them as a team and how about the last one sticking with this Dallas offense and the Seattle Seahawks defense Amari Cooper against the Seahawks secondary all right Amari Cooper you go back to week number 14 against Philadelphia he had a monster performance 10 catches for 217 yards and three scores but since then defenses have completely eliminated him from the equation he's had Four receptions for 32 yards, four receptions for 20 yards, and five receptions for 31 yards the last three weeks of the regular season. And if you watch Week 17's game between the Cowboys and the Giants, you could clearly tell that Cooper was frustrated with Dak Prescott because you know Prescott missed him on multiple throws where he had created separation down the field. But Prescott cannot get him the ball. So look for Shaquille Griffin and Trey Flowers who are the top two corners on the depth chart for the Seahawks. And here's the thing with both of those guys is they're very long and rangy cornerbacks that like to play press at the line of scrimmage. Now this is where Cooper can thrive. 
because when corners have really tried to press him at the line of scrimmage, Cooper is so explosive, has a quick first step, and is very good at using his hands within the first five yards of contact, and that's when he can get free on inside slant routes, and all it takes is getting him the ball out in front of him, and he will do the rest with the speed that he possesses. So the Cowboys and Scott Linehan, they have to really get Cooper going again because if he continues to be a non-factor, and I know Blake Jarwin had his coming out party there in week 17, three touchdown catches, a six foot five, 265 pound bodied tight end that has come into his own. And I feel like Prescott and Jarwin really have connected all season long, but Week 17 was the explosive coming out party. And so I know Seattle now all of a sudden, they're going to pay some attention to Jarwin, especially as Dallas moves down into the red zone. But Cooper is still the second driving force behind Ezekiel Elliott of this Cowboys offense. And so Seattle surely knows this by now. And you can tell that they may pay some extra attention by floating a safety around Cooper making sure that he's not going to have any opportunities to get free down the field for big plays. So look for this matchup to also be one of those that is circled when you're watching the game in what should be a rather entertaining affair between two teams that have what it takes to maybe go on a little run if they can get out of wild card weekend now for my prediction give me the dallas cowboys 27 24 this is going to be a nail biter ladies and gentlemen be ready for it get your popcorn out i really look for this game to be decided in the final minutes of the fourth quarter as we know the dallas cowboys no shortage of drama whenever they take the field stakes are high there's gonna be a wide out there at AT at&t stadium and the seahawks really have had the Cowboys number in fact Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott since they put the star on their helmet the Seahawks are one of the only teams they have not been able to defeat and that's why I think it's going to be that extra motivation that edge a chip on the shoulder mentality for this young Cowboys squad to edge out the Seahawks in a home playoff game to advance to the divisional round so the Dallas Cowboys will continue on this second half surge as being one of the hotter teams in football. Now I'll go to the third wild card matchup. This is the first game of Sunday's slate. It is the it is the LA Chargers and the Baltimore Ravens. It's going to be a rematch. These two teams played just a couple of weeks ago, and now we get another game. This time, it's in Baltimore. The Chargers finished with a 12-4 record. Ravens, 10-6. They were involved in a high drama regular season finale against the Cleveland Browns where they were able to seal the AFC North and a playoff berth after C.J. Mosley picked off Baker Mayfield and a sigh of relief from the Baltimore Ravens fans and agony for the Steelers contingent as they looked on and were hoping that the Browns could do them a favor by beating John Harbaugh's squad. However, these two teams will face off in what should be a smash-mouth 
physical game between two AFC teams that I think have what it takes to go to the Super Bowl. Now, these two teams met at the StubHub Center in Carson, California, as I just talked about, where the Ravens went in and shut down Phillip Rivers and company. And now the Chargers will look to return the favor this time as they go on the road. And so here's some key matchups in this one. How about the Chargers offensive tackle Sam Tevy, Russell Okung against Terrell Suggs, Matthew Judon, and Zadarius Smith. Last time these two teams shared the same field, the Ravens trio dominated the Chargers offensive tackle tandem and made life miserable for the veteran Phillip Rivers. Now look for the Chargers to change up their protection scheme and give more help to Okung and Tevi this time around. They're probably going to chip more and give them help with either a tight end or a running back before they release into pass patterns. So I fully expect Ken Wisenhunt to dial up a new scheme trying to keep this ultra-talented number one defense on their heels. Now, here's one key development. Hunter Henry, who has been out for the entire year, tore that ACL on the first day of OTAs. He is expected to play on Saturday now. I'm assuming he's going to be placed on a pitch count as the Chargers look to bring him back slowly. But his presence, along with the savvy veteran of Antonio Gates, is going to give the Chargers a little bit more of a boost. And another player that Baltimore is going to have to game plan for. Because let's not forget how versatile of a tight end Henry is for this Chargers team. That's why LA was ready to part ways with Gates because they liked what they had with Hunter Henry and his skill set. So the trio of Suggs, Judon, and Smith, I don't know if there's any other outside linebacker trio than those guys that can come after you with a relentless motor, and they are just simply a handful having to block on the outside. Not only do they have a quick first jump, but they are powerful. You look at Suggs. Judon, these guys can get inside and toss you wherever they want you to go. And they don't always necessarily get to the quarterback, but it's their pressure and their high football IQ to get in the passing lanes, which is what really flustered Phillip Rivers in the first matchup. So Russell Okung, Sam Tevy, they're going to have to buckle down and get ready for war going up against a Baltimore front that is not too friendly to opposing offensive lines. Now, matchup number two, sticking with the Chargers offense and Baltimore's defense, it's the Chargers receivers, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Tyrell Williams against the Ravens corners and Brandon Carr, Jimmy Smith, and Tavon Young. The Ravens secondary seems to have found its groove in the second half of the season, except for the little hiccup they had against the Browns that saw Baker Mayfield light it up for three touchdown passes. But look for the Chargers to run a lot of that spread offense to create space in the Ravens defense. And I expect Phillip Rivers to come out in a lot of empty sets. Maybe they split Melvin Gordon out wide, just trying to stretch the field as much as they can because 
It showed last time that whenever the Chargers lined up in I formation or if Rivers was under center, he did not have any time to throw the ball. And before he knew it, the play was being blown up in the backfield by the Ravens front seven. So this is a game where the Chargers are really going to have to get creative and the way they attack this Ravens secondary, Eric Weddle, Tony Jefferson, who are continuing to play at that high level. Not only that, but they have been on this stage before. I talked about last time these two teams played. Eric Weddle and his familiarity with Phillip Rivers. He knows his tendencies. He understands where he's going to go with the ball by knowing when he's surveying the field, he can jump routes, and that's why Weddle, he is such an important player in this matchup. Now, he always is because he's an all-pro caliber safety that can really do things in both the run and the pass game, but Tony Jefferson, he brings that physicality, laying the boom over any wideout that comes into his territory, very stout, when playing in the box, so this is where Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, they're going to have to come to play. They're going to have to understand their keys in trying to battle and fend off these physical Ravens secondary cornerbacks that like to press at the line of scrimmage. The Ravens, they're going to come out trying to prove that last week was not something that defines them as a unit. And this is a defense that can carry Lamar Jackson and company to as far as they want to go. So the Chargers, they better come prepared. Melvin Gordon, who's declared himself fully healthy. Austin Eckler, his availability is not yet known. But this is a clash of the Titans on the line of scrimmage out wide. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that development shapes up on a Sunday. And the last matchup here, the Ravens rushing attack against the Chargers defensive front. We know this Ravens offense likes that smash mouth play. They will drive the ball down your throat until you prove that you can stop them. And the fact of the matter is, is that they know that defenses know what's coming their way. But even at that, Gus Edwards, Lamar Jackson, Kenneth Dixon, these guys are angry runners. Lamar Jackson, all it takes is a little crease and he's off to the races as he scored multiple touchdowns on the ground against the Browns. But Marty Morningweg, he has been a wizard in calling plays with Lamar Jackson. It shows why they've been so successful because you're seeing a variety of plays where defenses really just don't have time to adapt on the fly. You're seeing jet sweeps with John Brown coming in the backfield. You're seeing read options. You're seeing RPOs. You're seeing inside zone runs, tosses. I mean, you name it. It's a kitchen sink being thrown out by this Ravens offense each and every week. And the Chargers, they got punched in the mouth by this Ravens offensive line last time they played. And this is where Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa, Brandon Meebane, they're going to have to generate some pressure. They're going to have to stop Baltimore on the ground first because, look, the bottom line is right now it's safe to say that Lamar Jackson is not a well-polished quarterback. That's the bottom line. Now, will he improve? Sure. 
I mean, this guy's a rookie. He's in a pro system. And it looks like the Ravens, they understand that he's really in his element and he's comfortable when he's running the ball 15 times a game. But if the Chargers can come out, put the clamps down, stop the leakage up the middle and say, all right, if you want to move the ball on us, you're going to have to do it with your rookie quarterback. You're going to have to complete passes down the field in the pocket And that's something that I feel like can be a positive in the Chargers' favor. So this is where Gus Bradley must have his unit ready to go. Uchenna Unwoso, the rookie linebacker who's been very stout for this defense. Derwin James, maybe he comes in and plays up in the box on a heavier amount of snaps, trying to take away Lamar Jackson and his dual threat ability. But this is another matchup right here that the Chargers simply have to win if they want a chance at knocking off a Raven squad on the road and so while Jackson has had a lot of success since taking over as the team starting quarterback the Chargers can have something to say if they are able to lock down the rush lanes and stop Gus Edwards who all of a sudden has emerged as a very dangerous ball carrier now for my prediction here the Baltimore Ravens and the Chargers I'm gonna pick the Ravens to win yet again I know a lot of people are tossing back and forth because this is really a tough one to choose but in the end I've been a big time proponent of the Chargers yes but recently I've taken note of how good this Ravens team is under John Harbaugh. They play with another level of urgency. They'll be at home. This defense is hungry. They're peaking at the right time. And I feel like it's going to be another dominant outing from that unit. They're going to come after Phillip Rivers, who already has a track record of going silent in big-time playoff games. And as much as I want to see him as, as a football fan, I want to see Rivers have success and go deep on a playoff run because this is a special Chargers team but I think that season comes to a halt in Baltimore as the the Ravens are able to get that rushing attack going while the Chargers may load the box here and there Mark Andrews Hayden Hurst those tight ends they are used in a big time way by Morningweg and don't be surprised to see Mark Andrews have another big game where he may have low volume receptions look for the yards and for the yards after catch in the end zone and the Ravens take it 26 to 17 in a rather low scoring game but I do believe the Ravens will hold this Chargers offense under the 20 point mark yet again now for the final wild card matchup of the upcoming weekend the number six seed philadelphia eagles nine and seven at the three seed chicago bears 12 and four kickoff is set sunday 4 40 p.m eastern time at soldier field broadcasted by nbc and boy here we are the eagles Despite facing big-time odds, they are back in the playoffs after what looked like a major disappointment. Nick Foles took over for the injured Carson Wentz, and they are back in thanks to the Vikings who lost to the Chicago Bears on Sunday combined with the dominant 23-0 victory in favor 
of the Eagles over their division rival, the Washington Redskins. Matt Nagy, I don't think enough can be said with the type of job he's done for Chicago in just his first year there. 12-4. and This is a Bears team that comes into the playoffs roaring as this defense has just been a lockdown unit. Khalil Mack, that trade looks like it's probably been the best move of this Chicago Bears franchise based off the impact player that he is and what he provides for opposing offenses each and every week. And so I'm going to go ahead and segue into the first matchup with this Eagles-Bears matchup. And it does have to do with number 52 in blue, Lane Johnson against Khalil Mack. Now Vic Vangio, who by the way is getting a lot of overtures from teams wanting to interview him for their head coaching vacancy, including the Dolphins and Broncos. Uh, that's a story of its own, but he is a mastermind, and he's done wonders with this Bears defense. And I look for Vangio to continue to move Mac around on the defensive line in attempt to put mental stress on the Eagles' offensive line. But for the most part, he's going to square off against Johnson more than anyone else. And there's an argument to be made that Mack is the best pass rusher in the NFL. I know that's kind of a no-brainer for a lot of people, but you got the Vaughn Millers out there. But he is just an impact player. This guy, wherever he lines up, it does not matter. He comes at you with both strong hands, explosive burst. Not only can he get to the passer, but he can also stop the run before any running back gets out of the backfield because of his chase down speed. Lane Johnson, this guy's had an up and down season there at right tackle for the Eagles. He battled the sprain MCL, but you know what? This guy is still an all pro talent. He was a Pro Bowl snub in his eyes as he told reporters that he was very upset at not making it there to Florida with the rest of the top tackles in the NFL. So he's looking for some redemption and he wants people to know that he is still an elite offensive tackle and he has a great opportunity to try to slow down Khalil Mack. But if he cannot stop him and keep Mack out of Nick Foles' face, this will be a long day for a Philadelphia Eagle offense that, yes, has caught that magic again, but it can come to an end very quickly if Khalil Mack is cut loose and on the hunt. Now, how about another matchup here having to do with this Eagles offense and Bears defensive front? This time, we'll move it to the interior, the Eagles' interior offensive line versus Akeem Hicks. Now, Hicks is just the other stud in the Bears' front seven. This is a guy that likes to be moved around as well, but over the last three seasons since joining the Bears, Hicks has 163 tackles, 23 sacks, 5 forced fumbles, 3 fumble recoveries, 7 batted passes, and 53 hits on the quarterback. So this is where Jason Kelsey, Brandon Brooks, those guys who are anchoring that Eagles offensive line, they will have a steep challenge up ahead trying to slow down Hicks and mind you don't forget about number 99 Eddie Goldman and once you reach that second level of Chicago's defense Danny Trevathan Roquan Smith such a deep unit 
but trying to get this run game going with Wendell Smallwood, Josh Adams. I mean, that's going to be crucial because the Philadelphia offense, Nick Foles, this guy has been on a terror going to the air over 300 yards. Alshon Jeffrey, he's returning to Chicago. You got Golden Tate and, of course, Zach Ertz. But if Philadelphia and Doug Peterson, if they're unable to get any type of balance for Nick Foles, this Chicago Bears defense is going to have a field day, and they're not going to allow Philadelphia to advance the ball across the 50. So this is why the Eagles' interior of the offensive line needs to find some success. Now, I'm not going to say it's realistic, to believe that Philadelphia is going to be able to rush for over 100 yards against this Chicago front seven, but they ought to be able to get some success, a five-yard run there, moving the chain, staying ahead of their game plan, because if they're unable to do so, this Chicago defense led by Vic Vangio is going to have a dominant outing on their home turf now the last matchup here that I look at it's this Bears run game against the Eagles rush defense now when the 2018 season kicked off the Eagles they were regarded as the league's best run stopping unit Fletcher Cox Brandon Graham however they've fallen off a bit this year where opposing offenses have found success running the ball up the middle inside zone against Jim Schwartz's defense and it's really remarkable what this Eagles defense has been able to do over the last two three weeks because they've lost a lot of key players going all the way back to the first portion of the year Rodney McLeod done for the year and then they lost Ronald Darby torn ACL they're essentially playing with a lot of second third stringers especially in the secondary and then Derek Barnett underwent season-ending shoulder surgery they have Chris Long they have Michael Bennett there starting now and of course as long as Fletcher Cox is healthy this Eagles defense is not going to be taken lightly because Cox this guy is a one-man wrecking crew who can blow up the run game of opposing offenses and one positive that the Bears have been able to build off of is the emergence of Jordan Howard he's been able to get the ball 15 to 20 times a game and he's really taken advantage of his opportunities scoring multiple times you saw what he was able to do against the Vikings in week 17 and then you also have to account for Tariq Cohen the dynamic jack-of-all-trades running back that can hurt you in the pass game. He is electric out in space. So the Bears and Matt Nagy, you know they're going to want to continue getting this ground game going, especially with Kyle Long, their all-pro guard, back in the lineup as they activated him from injured reserve a couple of weeks ago. But make no mistake about it, this Eagles defense, they are not going to lay over. They're not a pushover. They are riding momentum right now. And so do not be surprised to see Philadelphia be able to control Chicago at the line of scrimmage a little bit. But Jordan Howard, I believe, is a key point trying to help Mitchell Trubisky, who's been up and down this year, roller coaster type season. But look for this ground attack to be established early and often for Chicago, especially if they want to possess the ball and keep that defense well rested going up against Nick Foles. Now for my game prediction here, while I do want to pick the Eagles, something inside of me 
says that this Eagles team is special yet again, and I feel like they are very well capable of winning this game on the road. I know it sounds a little crazy, but my gut says the Bears, and I think Chicago is going to be able to get the job done. Chicago has not hosted a playoff game in quite some time. You can expect the atmosphere to be nuts, cold temperatures, frigid weather there, and I think this Chicago defense is going to be the difference in the end. You got Kyle Fuller back there. Now, Eddie Jackson, he may not be able to go, which will be a big loss for a Bears defense that really has relied on his knack for creating turnovers but they are still very well assorted at every position and I think that helps them get the playoff win over the dangerous Philadelphia Eagles give me Chicago 24 to 20 in a tight game I like the Bears chances to come out on top so there you have it the fourth and final wild card playoff game for you very excited to see how these games play out I, I really expect each one of these matchups to stay relatively close as far as the final score, except the Ravens, I feel like they'll have a little bit more separation over the Chargers, but all in all, it's going to be some good football as we get these playoffs underway. I will be back here on Monday now that New Year's is behind us, now that Christmas is behind us. I'm back on my full-time schedule. I'll be back for another episode next Monday to recap Wildcard Weekend chat about some of these head coaching vacancies, interviews, rumors, and all the latest from around the NFL right here on the Pro Football Chase podcast. But until then, have a blessed weekend and take care. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.